Welcome to Across the Margin Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Shields. Across the Margin Podcast is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Head over to OsirisPod.com and check out the vast array of podcasts they have to offer. They have the goods. It is OsirisPod.com. Today, I am thrilled to have on the program a musician I've had the privilege to see countless times across his many projects. An extremely talented artist here to talk about his new album that is Scott Metzger, truly one of my favorite guitarists. As the Royal Potato Family, which is the label that is releasing Scott's new album, puts it, Scott Metzger is a musician who has spent the past decade earning a reputation as one of the most adventurous improvisers in live music. When he wasn't sharing the stage with the likes of Phil Lesh, John Schofield, or Nels Klein, he was playing to massive crowds with Joe Russo's Almost Dead. His musical interests, however, run broader than his bona fides might suggest. During downtime from J-Rad, Metzger pursues projects like Wolf, a hard-charging, fully electrified guitar trio that balanced tight compositions with group improvisation, and The Showdown Kids, an acoustic gypsy jazz trio. When the global pandemic darkened stages everywhere, Metzger hunkered down in Brooklyn and did what came naturally. He picked up the guitar every day and wrote instrumental music. Shortly thereafter, he booked time at a Brooklyn recording studio to document the guitar pieces he'd created. The result of those efforts is Too Close to Reason, Metzger's first solo album and the focus of this episode. The 12-track collection, released, as I alluded to, by Royal Potato Family, showcases a more contemplative side of his musical personality. From the first swelling notes of the atmospheric appropriate wattage, the album is full of musical surprises, starting with the fact that Metzger plays nearly every note of this primarily acoustic guitar-based album. The sole exception is Only Child, a ballad with Katie Jacoby, violinist for The Who, and Metzger's wife. Too Close to Reason exposes trace elements of Metzger's musical DNA through influences like Chet Atkins, Django Reinhardt, Jim Hall, and Richard Thompson but it ultimately presents his own fully formed and distinct voice as a guitarist. In short, his debut reveals an artist in full bloom who has honed his craft and knows himself, contradictions and all. Within this episode, Scott and I discuss the musicians, the guitar, and the pandemic that inspired his new album. We expound on the fascinating ways in which the first two singles, that is Don't Be a Stranger and Waltz for Beverly, came to life while conversing about how special it is he has the opportunity to create music with his wife. We even discuss how his recent addiction to running has bolstered his capabilities in regards to his performing with Joe Russo's Almost Dead and a whole lot more. It's a really, really great conversation. Scott is such a great guy. Scott will celebrate the release of Too Close to Reason with four East Coast performances beginning at the end of March. They're currently on sale in Cambridge uh, and New York and DC and uh, and Philly. So uh, too close to reason is available March fourth. You could pre-order uh, the vinyl right now. That uh, that link is in the show notes. And before I start this conversation, I'm going to lead us into it with a taste of his new album, a hypnotic, enchanting journey of a song called "Don't Be a Stranger." And uh, following our conversation, I'll play us out with another gem. That is the other one we discussed earlier. That's "Waltz for Beverly." So I know you're going to love these songs and my interview with Scott Metzger.
Yeah, good to see you, man. Yeah, Thanks man. for having me. Congrats on the wedding, man. I saw I saw some pictures from the Kill Bill uh, uh, Chapel. That is awesome. Yeah, that was uh, that was my wife Katie's idea. I was, to, that was uh, I was I was exactly going to ask that. Whose whose idea was that? Is that a shared passion though? Like you know, Quentin or you know? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Movies in general are something that we bonded over, and uh, Tarantino movies in particular are at awesome. the top of both of our lists. That is so, so cool, man. So I'm so pumped to talk about this album. Um, first off, though, uh, thank you. Like there was, um, you know, there's a lot of weird moments of live music. I'm one of those New York City uh, freaks. And you filled some of those holes during that time with, uh, you know, uh, the shows down in Red Hook, the Freaks Night In. Those were all fun. And then I was even at a bunch of shows at the Westville uh, Bowl, that residency. So thank you for keeping it going during that whole thing, you know? <laughs> Oh man, thank you very much. The, the yeah. New York City Freaks community has been very good to yeah. me and all local musicians for it's sure a, for years. They really, we really keep it going. We, so, we need you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool. I mean, I mean, I remember when I first came upon them. I'm like, you know, I've been surrounded by these people at shows the whole time, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys are all know each other and hanging out and supporting musicians and then venues, and it's so cool. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And we I've been really lucky. Like I, I met Aaron Stein and those guys, uh, like in the it feels like the late nineties, the wetlands, basically. Uh, yeah. We go we go all the way back to that. And those guys have just kind of been, you know, been cramming my cramming my stuff down everybody's throat <laughs> ever since. Uh, so I uh, I really appreciate it. Yeah. My music. Totally. So I saw Sasha the other night. She was telling me she's known you since exactly then. It was just crazy. But um Let's dig in this album. This it's wild, like considering all the stuff that you've been a part of and done over you know the years. This is this is your first solo album, and I mean it's it's got to be something you've wanted to do for some time, right? Yeah, it is. It's been on my radar to make a solo record for years. Yeah, but um, I never, I didn't really know what I wanted that to be. I knew that I wanted mm. to make a solo record, but I didn't know like what I'd be. Would I be singing? Would it be like yeah. a would it be like a more hard rocking thing, or would it focus more on the folk kind of side mm -hmm. of me? And I just really didn't know what to do. And um, I hate to be one of those people to talk about like, oh, I found a great thing in the pandemic, you know. <laughs> um, but the pandemic presented the ultimate opportunity for me because my schedule is usually so busy that mm -hmm. to just sit and 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 really uh, visualize something for a long period and figure out what I want something to be was going to be pretty tricky. Yeah. Um, with the, my touring schedule uh, back in the before days, yeah. but uh, <laughs> but the pandemic just gave me nothing but time to think yeah. about what I wanted to do. I don't think that's weird at all. I think it's I think it's a beautiful thing to make something good out of something so bad. And also, it did it slowed time. One thing it really either messed with or opened up for me was time. And it just it's 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 cool to see the different ways people made use of it. Um, so how did you choose this sound kind of you, you mentioned all these different you know directions you could have gone what um you know wh what took you this direction um but there were there were a few things going into the pandemic i was listening to a lot of records that have no drummers oh, on yeah. them not ne not necessarily guitar record well a few of them like uh, they're pretty obscure records but there's like one by the jimmy jufri 3 mm. um which is which is like a jazz uh, sort of free jazz thing from the 1960s. And I think that that's, I think that the name of the record that I was listening to was just the title, which was, it had 1961 in the title. Mm. And it was just the trio with clarinet, piano, and bass with Steve Swallow and Paul Bly 
and Jimmy Jufri. And I was also listening to a Jim Hall record called Something Special, which was again a, a pianoless or a, excuse me, a drummerless album um, with just Larry Goldings and Steve Lasmina and Jim Hall. Mm-hmm. So kind of more gentle stuff was what I was listening to um, and stripped down uh, things was what I was listening to going into the pandemic. Um, and what really did it, I guess, was once I realized the pandemic was going to last as long as it did, I, um, I followed up on sort of this lifelong dream I've had of, of getting myself a really nice vintage acoustic guitar, uh-huh. which I had never had before. Uh-huh. Um, and I'll give you the cliff notes version of how it went sure. down, but I, I was here and it was clear. It was like, we were going to be at home for months mm-hmm. and who knew when we were going to be able to do anything. So I got myself a real nice espresso machine um, <laughs> to be comfortable yeah. at the house. And I got myself a vintage guitar. And I, I called down to this great store in Nashville who had a triple uh, O, a Martin triple O 18 on their mm-hmm. website. I say, you know, I'm interested in, in the triple O 18. And the guy says to me, he goes, uh, you know, oh man, I sold it an hour ago. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh God, it's like figures, you know, 20, uh, 2020. Everything, great, yeah, you know? Exactly. What else could go wrong, man? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. But then he says, and he goes, uh, he says, but you know, we have the exact model in a 1955, a 1955 triple mm. O 18 just came in yesterday. And it's probably the nicest one that we've ever had come through the doors. If you don't mind a guitar that's all banged up and I'm not a collector or anything, obviously. So, so I had him play me some like, you know, G's, D's and C's Uh on the thing. And it sounded good to me. Um, He sent it up. I took it out of the box. It didn't even have to, it came perfectly in tune and I started playing it uh, all day, every day. And kind of really quickly, all these like little melodies started, just popping off the thing. Love it. Um, these little songs almost started writing themselves. I felt like it was really like, wow, there's a good idea. There's another good idea. Um, and I started sifting through those and kind of zooming in on a few of them and elaborating on them a bit. And that's what becomes the record. Yeah. I was thinking, um, that's so cool. I love how like a guitar kind of chose, it found you in certain ways. And then it also found the, the sound you were going to make you make your album. Um, uh, I was thinking when I was thinking about influences and you meant, just mentioned some about the album, but I saw you at um, Joe's pub in 2018 and I just loved the choice of covers that you were, you were, you know, playing that night. And, you know, for, for weeks afterwards, I'm listening to Nick Lowe and, you know, NRBQ and just all everyone you were playing, but a lot of them, um, you know, it felt like those musicians also kind of shine bright in the album too, like influences of some of some of those songwriters as well that, that you were covering at that time. So I'm thinking there are, you know, people like Django too, like influences that they all kind of inspired some of the sound as well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah across the board. I mean, um, yeah, of the, of the things like that you're, you're talking about, you know, like the Richard Thompson thing has become yeah. over the years. I, I've played one of his songs um, and his influence. And I, I tend to really like for whatever reason, you know, all those guys you just said, like, um, you know, Nick Lowe, NRBQ, mm-hmm. you know, I'd put Richard Thompson into it. I never understand why those like those types of people are not like household, household names, names as big as Keith Richards. Or yeah. something. You know, I will never understand it for the life of me. But the good news for people like me is that it gives you like a wealth of awesome material to mm-hmm. to to 
focus on and play yeah. that not everybody's heard a million times. I think it was, I, I wasn't the only one saying that night. I went home with like a new playlist, like introduced some new right. stuff, which was, which, which felt like a super gift. I was listening to Rome wasn't built in a day over and over again. For oh, me. They're so good. Um, what's the title mean? What's too close to reason? What does that mean to you? It's a good question. Um, <laughs> I think it kind of can mean whatever you want. I was walking around for months with a list of like, you know, 30 tight possible titles mm. in my head, kind of mm. slowly narrowing it down to what I like. And I had some good ones in the running. And then one day I just sort of woke up and, and the, the phrase just kind of presented itself Indeed. and it just felt right and yeah. seemed to line up with the mood of the record. I don't know. It's kind of abstract, just like yeah. the album cover is a little abstract. Yeah. You know. yeah, that works. Absolutely. Let's talk about a couple of songs, specifically, uh, ones that people can hear right now. Cause what the first release was don't be a stranger. And I love it. It's just like a kind of gorgeous, like dizzy and melodic ride. But um, uh, in the video, it's like a split screen situation where you're playing, like accompanying yourself. And I was wondering kind of how that song came, came to life. I mean, it's just kind of playing layers over layers. I mean, and also, I'm also curious how, how could that be a, uh, kind of recreate it live that's 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 wild to loop that whole thing together it's fun to watch that's great video presentation of that too so cool oh thanks thanks yeah uh fully inspired by the beatles documentary oh that wow. just came out yeah because i was sitting here and uh, you know i knew the label so it's on royal potato uh family records yeah. and i knew kevin um over there he was like we need some videos and i was like oh man i have no ideas how i'm gonna make a video you know, mm. and I—that was when the the Beatles thing was was on, and there was a shot of Ringo on the rooftop concert where it was like a three split screen thing. I was like, oh, mm. there it is, because ah. there's more than one of me that needs to be presented. But ah. I also didn't want the whole screen to be just like you you right, know, my head, right in and then like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Like different angles and yeah. um, so. Yeah, and it was a, it was definitely a process. Like Tropia Stranger is a funny one, so I put down the rhythm track for mm -hmm. that first, but I actually fucked it up. Um, and in the second verse, there's an extra bar in in it. So now, when I go to play it, I have to. It was one of these things where I sort of didn't. It just felt right, so I didn't even realize it was like a mistake. You know. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, so now when I'm going back to learn it, now I guess the song officially goes, you know, there's four bars in each phrase in the yeah. first two A sections, but there's actually seven bars in the in the second one. Um, yeah, and I just played it, played down the rhythm track and then mm -hmm. played along with that. And then on most of the tracks, there's another third track that's probably pretty, um, you would probably only hear it on headphones or something, where yeah. there's some overtones and some harmonics happening just to fill out the space um, yeah. a little bit just give it cool. another layer um That's and to nice. do it live i'm actually going to bring a dude another uh, okay. friend of mine <laughs> there we go uh, simon kafka and nice. some of the stuff he's gonna he's gonna help me out all right good that makes sense i was like how does this how does this come to life it's just so it's intricate and you mentioned layered i just thought yeah. the whole entire time listen to this i mean these gorgeous layers on top of gorgeous layers and but um, you mentioned, you know, how a mistake kind of led to something uh, uh, beautiful. But I saw, you saw you talking about, this is another one people can hear right now. It's um, Waltz for Beverly. Um, we're going to talk, I'm going to ask you about this stuffed animal, of course. But I, I saw you mention that this was um, a, a first take in the studio. Is, is that true? Like what you hear on the album was a first take? 
Yeah, all of the parts. Well, each I think that there's three tracks on that yeah. one, and each each one was its own first take. Wow. Yeah. So that just kind of that just kind of came to you. Like it's I don't know. How how did that come to life? That's another beautiful song you describe as a cloud-like mood, and it is. It's 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 really gorgeous. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely inspired. Um you know, to me, that one is sort of, I almost cringed when I, putting that one on the record or not was actually tough. It's one of my oh, wow. favorites, but I was I was just like, is this so overtly influenced by Bill Frizzell? Oh, okay. Is it just like an, <laughs> is it just an embarrassment of like some dude trying to- That's a to good thing himself? though. That's a good thing. Well, yeah, it is. I mean, you know, you have to be careful, right? On your own sure. thing. You don't want to sound like watered down version of anybody, but I think it's sure. it, it, it earned a spot on, mm -hmm. on the record. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just had to, I, I made a little um, demo of it on my iPad here mm -hmm. in the um, in the apartment, kind of the night before I went in and recorded it. Um, just went in to the studio the next morning. That was the first thing that we hit that day. And wow. there's actually an, an alternate version of the song that we recorded later in the day, because I mm -hmm. thought that we should just have a second one just in case. But um, no, no, the, no, the first take is always, you know, there's a saying, uh, the first take, first take is of God, second take is of man. <laughs> okay, I liked it. I like it. <laughs> right, right. Let the inspiration be. That's awesome. And sometimes that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just the name uh, Beverly was after your stuffed animal bat who's a mascot around the house these days. Yes, she's, our, she's, she's around here. So she's sleeping, you know, it's yeah. daytime. I'd introduce you, but yeah, but she's don't want to um, Yeah, so those are the ones people can hear. The whole, I got to listen to the whole album, which is awesome. Damage is so cool. It's kind of a mind fuck. One, one that just I keep listening to over and over again is um, Cafe Hildago. Um, yeah. And uh, I feel like that, like it almost, we mentioned Quentin earlier, it's that it feels like it almost could be like a score on a Quentin like film or something. If what, what were you, what were you thinking? Uh, you know, what's the inspiration or what the thought process of bringing that one to life? Yeah. Well, that one is, um, that one was written years ago because that mm -hmm. we recorded with Wolf, which was a band that I was playing with for yeah. a bunch of years. Um, and I'm sure we'll play again at some point. Yeah. This project. Well, not too we long still... ago. So you guys played a couple years ago at, um, uh, where's the record store? What, what am I? Rough Trade. Yeah. Rough Trade. Right. Yeah. 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 And one of the guys moved away. Well, both the guys actually moved out of town, mm -hmm. and, you know, but we'll do it, do our thing again. Yep. But so that was um, always a favorite of ours to play in the mm. band. So we played that one a mm. ton of times. And then actually speaking of Bill Frizzell, what needed to happen, I got asked to be on a uh, panel of like guitar, like a, an online virtual guitar masterclass oh, wow. with Bill Frizzell and Julian Lange, um, <laughs> I think a lot Hexelman, some, some, some amazing company. Yeah. I was really, really uh, flattered to be yep. there and learned a lot just uh -huh. listening to those guys. But part of the deal was that each teacher had to um, have like sort of a prepared solo mm. thing, He's, you yeah. know, ready. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, hell man, you know, what, what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> you know? And so anyway, I worked up that arrangement of, of yep. Cafe Hidalgo, which was really inspired by... Um, Mark Rebo put out a record of Cuban mm. music, um, all solo, all solo yeah. guitar. Yeah. And I was listening to that record quite a bit when that, 
when that came that down the pike. So that's yeah, okay. right. But that bad. checks out completely. Yeah. Um, so your now wife, um, Katie, is on the album. That's beautiful. The way you guys play in concert, it's just really, really special. Such a gifted violinist she is. Um, and you guys play in the Showdown Kids together. How is it? How special is it playing? You getting you know to you know have an act with her and also play together on an album. It's got to be pretty awesome. Oh yeah. No, it's always uh, we always sort of. That's one of those just things that like the stars aligned. Yeah. And, you know, if we're going out because we, you know, we've done plenty of gigs before. And as we're mm-hmm. leaving the house, she's always like date night, you know, <laughs> and it's like we just go. We're going to work, you know, but yeah, we work. Yeah. We can work together, and uh, and then go out and see each other's things. You know, she's got all of her. You, you get to she's see got a solo. The who. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, beyond yeah. her other stuff, of course. But I'm just saying that's just incredible. Oh, dude! I mean, I go. It's hilarious. Like. <laughs> I've seen the who a few times and it's, it's uh-huh. really great actually. Cause for 20 years I've been like the guy in the band. Right. Yeah. And like, you know, on stage and all this. Uh-huh. And I go, I go out and like sit with the other wives, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like they put us all together and they're like, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, how are the kids? Jenny, yeah. you know, like you know, it's hilarious. Uh, how the other like, side, totally see the other side of it. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> and then like, and then I'm like proud, you know, I mean, oh. he, I'm pretty soft-spoken guy, but yep. you know, when she got up at the garden and stuff, I was like hitting like the people in front of me who I hadn't met. I was like, "That's my girl, man! Right? <laughs> Look at that shit! That's you know, I'm taking her around. home." <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. It's so yeah. cool. So you're taking this record on the road soon. So you got four dates. Um, are there plans for more? You got mm-hmm. the the four dates: Cambridge, New York, DC, and Philly coming up. I'll be at the New York show for sure. But um. Any more than that, Ken? Awesome. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, not right now, but there is yeah. more on the way. We're working on it. We're trying to juggle scheduling with all of my stuff. All your, all your things. All your yeah. things. Do you have the, uh, you got the itch now to, to craft another solo album? Like you, like we were kind of mentioned earlier, there's different pieces of your influences and what you do that can be brought into a solo effort. Is this something you want to, I know you just finished. It's, but I, you know, no, but, I, it's a good question. I actually, yeah. no, yes. The answer is 100% yes. Cause I feel like that I made this one as difficult by myself as possible yeah. <laughs> by doing like the first one all by myself, no producer, no, like no band, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So it was really like kind no of producer. I was about to ask. If there was no producer on this. No, wow. it, was, it wow. was just, sounds great. Just, just my like vision of the thing. Well, that's, I mean, you know, Lorenzo Wolf, recorded it at yeah. uh, restoration oh, sound and, then, to... and yeah who was uh d james goodwin who's oh yeah man. yeah <laughs> and he's the man he's like, the man <laughs> they're they're both they're both amazing yeah. but dan has, has really had a lot of um in the last year or two him and josh kaufman have put out a record yeah i mean he did bonnie light and horseman's he's done all of the yes. morby stuff too i mean these guys the guy's okay <laughs> yeah oh yeah i mean and i first worked with him 13 years ago or something when he was just opening up his studio we i made i remember i got home from jam cruise (laughs) what is the Um, the iso isocon yes exactly isocon up in woodstock yeah i got home from jam cruise got Mm -hmm. in the car like the very next morning and drove to freezing cold woodstock new york you know i was like coming from the bahamas or wherever we were jamaica on the thing Uh um and we made a record up there by a girl named Kelly Scar, mm. which is a great, great, great record. Um, uh, Dangling Teeth, it was called. Um, but that was, I mean, I think that that was like 2000. And, 
I want to say that was 2008, mm-hmm. I guess. And ever since then, I've known, yeah, I've done a bunch of stuff up there with Dan. He's great. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so he mixed it and he, um, you know, he really, I sent it to him pretty, like, you know, guitars with a microphone on it and not much happening else, mm-hmm. like no, no trickery or anything. And he sent it back and he really put the, he massaged it in a way that really made it much more like cloud like uh and much Green more light. ethereal which is really the, the thing yeah yeah it sounds so beautiful um i got a left field question for you uh we actually we live close and i am a runner as well and i see you sometimes running in the park and i know you're an avid runner i know you run with the freaks and all that but um i'm curious that's pretty new for you right like really diving into running have you been running oh, yeah um, no no that was that it was a pandemic thing. It was right. I thought I thought it was when I there are times. I was curious though how it's affected you. Like I, when I do my running, like it actually helps me with like some of my writing, whether it's copy or just whatever I'm working on an article or whatever. And like also like I find it so meditative, and it's like it's a like a form of meditation for me. And I was wondering because uh, it seems like you've really taken to it. How how running has effect? Has it has it touched any of your writing? How 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 does it? How has it affected you in a positive way? It's definitely, I could tell it has. Right, yeah. I think um, um, that's awesome. We'll have to run together sometime. Yeah. I'm yeah, not as we'll quick as you guys. I, I, I've seen the pace of the uh, the, the freaks too. I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little slower. <laughs> but I'm well, down, we, but I'm down. Know, we, we, we get, we'll, we'll work it out. You know, yeah. Right? We'll make it work. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I hate to miss a day running now. Yeah, me I too. I hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we go early, you know, so it's like, you're out the door first thing in the morning, you've already done something that you know is really good for you. Yeah, um, yeah totally. And Check I, I totally agree with it. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I think I totally agree with you about the meditative quality of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I don't know about for composing, you know, you mm-hmm. said for writing and stuff, but I will yeah. tell you that, you know, on the other <laughs> and behind door number two of my life for learning Bob Weir lyrics. Yeah. I memorized all those fucking words <laughs> now. Like I'm totally off any teleprompter up there uh-huh, for uh-huh. about a hundred, a hundred Bob Weir tunes. And that all happened because of that all happened out there at Prospect. Really? Just like having it in the headphones and just like getting, getting it down. Yeah. Yeah. What I do is I would, um, my process for that was that I would set a, a, a metronome, right. Mm-hmm. To a yep. certain kind of close to the BPM of the song yep. that I was trying to get down and that I'd run to that beat, you wow. know, where it was applicable. So yeah. I, and just go out there and like do two loops, just be singing the lyrics over and over and over again. Love you know? it. Cause I, love I figure it. if I could, my thinking was like, if I could sing throwing stones after running for 11 miles, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, that I could do it for sure once on stage at a totally. gig. I, I knew it hadn't mm-hmm. touched like what you did, what, what you did musically in some way. That's really, really cool. I'm glad I asked that kind of weird question. How, uh, that's a good yeah. question. Just, just when you lean that way, just, just, just because I have to ask, it's, it is really wild with how you know, what's happened with J Rad, you know, I mean, just how the, you know, I, I just think about it, and now like headline, you guys headlining festivals, playing Red Rocks and stuff. I'm just curious how, how you guys couldn't have imagined this success, and how does it feel to be playing with like you know these guys who are your friends? I mean, for a long time, and you know, standing up next to Double D and across from Marco, like rocking these big things it has to be surreal at times it just feels so damn special you know yes 
I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, the last, you know, in a, in a, in a word, yes. Yep. I mean, we, you know, we just did our first weekend of the year down in Philly. And mm. I was actually thinking, I was like, you know, it's pretty cool. Like this thing came out of nowhere. And if we had tried to make it work, I don't think that it ever would have worked. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was one of those things that it just, we didn't change for it to happen, which mm-hmm. I really think is like crucial. Like yeah. we didn't be like, oh, but cool, we're going to play these mold. songs now. We have to change everything. Like we were totally just ourselves. We don't mm-hmm. wear like costumes on stage, <laughs> you know, like there's no weird, <laughs> there's just, it's really is just us. And I think that we could, you know, um, I, I mean, fuck man. I, the, the last gig that we did in 2021 was at a hockey arena mm. in Colorado. Yeah. And I, remember, I, I swear to God, me and Marco were like walking off stage and, you know, and, and, and we kind of turned around for a second. And we're like, do you believe this shit? Like, <laughs> look at this. Like, <laughs> you know, so. I don't know. You know what? It's, but, but, you know, I, I respect the humility, but when I just look at, you know, because I would have thought the same thing too. I can't imagine like this band that some could look at as a cover band. I believe you take it and make all these things just such your own. But like when you look at who each person is individually and the talent, you're like, this all makes sense. You know, why, why it's doing so, so well. But well, it's funny. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, you know, but we were all out there for like 15 years sure. <laughs> before this <laughs> kind of like str- not struggling necessarily, but we couldn't really, none of us could really crack the code to yeah. like, I mean, obviously every, I feel like every, a lot of people knew Joe and Marco work as the duo mm-hmm. and then the, the tour they did with Trey and stuff. But, yeah. Yeah. but I was just like doing the sideman thing. Dave was doing Ween. Tom's always had his band. Yeah. And then it was like, you know, cause I always knew that like our, st- our crew had a very high level of musicianship, but there's a lot of people with high levels of musicianship out there that never get anywhere near selling, you know, selling yeah. like hockey arenas out there. Yeah. Um, but when it did happen, it, it has felt nice. And I think a lot of it has to do with the, the way that the management, because Joe, Joe co-manages it with Pete Costello and Peter, the way yeah. that they've steered the ship in mm-hmm. terms of getting bigger venues and stuff. They've just yeah. played it per, way more perfect than I could have ever. Like they just <laughs> nailed it. You know, it's awesome. So, do we get to hear most of these songs? Um, you know, anyone who catches these four four shows uh, get to hear most of these songs from this uh, album. Yeah, I'll tell you the, what the show will be is about half um, songs from the record, mm-hmm. about half of me singing uh, some of like my favorite songs. Good, uh, cool, a la 2018. Great, um, and then maybe a little bit of. Um, Maybe I can convince my wife to come up and, and, and do something, you know, that's at awesome. the end. Maybe we can do some duets or some trios because the other guy that's coming with me, um, Simon Kafka, he's the third guy. Oh, he's in third and showdown, showdown kits. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So he's we've got a lot of material to choose from there. That's great. And Katie has to do Only Child and, and I'll put a plug in for and the band played um, Waltz and Matilda as well. But it's such it's a great album. I, uh, I appreciate wow. you talking about it, and um, I'm 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 uh, um, I'm glad to spread the word a little bit about it. Do my part to get the word out of it. So thanks for your time, Scott. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Mike. And I'll see you around the hood. Definitely. I'm gonna I'm gonna yell at you next time I run by you. Yeah, do it for, oh, well, for sure.
Osiris. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.